Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Souderton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Gold and Jeff Hyatt. Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our gospel lesson today is a fitting prelude to the Lenten Triodian, as we are about to enter the, the lead up to, to Lent and the, the themes that will occupy our, the gospel lessons and prepare us, uh, set the stage for our time of great repentance. The story of the Canaanite woman, just like the coming weeks with the, the publican and the Pharisee, the prodigal son, uh, the last judgment with the, the sheep and the goats, the separation of the sheep and the goats, all have to do with the fundamental question of the nature of the kingdom. Uh, what are its boundaries? What is required of those who would be in it? And what are the characteristics of those who are in and those who are excluded? And the, the consistent message that runs through these, uh, these gospel lessons, throughout the gospel as a whole, throughout the scriptures as a whole, is that spiritual pride in any form is a serious danger to our participation in the kingdom. And second, that the kingdom is a dynamic reality that is continually overturning or upsetting all forms of false self-confidence. Just before the, the story of the Canaanite woman, Jesus overturns the traditions of the elders with regard to purity laws. What defines the kingdom, our participation in it, is not abstaining from certain foods as such, what goes in our mouth and into the stomach, or washing one's hands before a meal, but rather what comes out of our mouth. That is what defiles the spiritual reality. There, there is a, an attack on false self-confidence, and I, I feel I must add a caveat here that there are good forms of confidence as well, right? There are uh, good boundaries. Our, our confession, for example, of one holy Catholic and apostolic church is not false confidence. Uh, it is a humble response and uh, acceptance of God's own self-revelation. So in, in the contemporary world, any, any claim to exclusive knowledge of God is you know, construed as some sort of arrogant or prideful statement. So that's, of course, not what we're, uh, we're not getting our cues from, from that type of mentality. Yet, all of us, of course, myself primarily, are in danger of spiritual pride, of equating God with our own ideas about him, our, our tendency to draw lines around the desirables and the undesirables, the insiders and the outsiders, the Jew and the Gentile. Now, we, we are certainly, uh, in a sense, this, this is 2,000 years ago, right? Uh, were, in a sense, alienated from the significance of this separation of, of Jew and Gentile. This question that occupied the, the apostles and the church for the first two or three centuries seems to us a, a dead letter, right? a dead issue. But I, I think there's, uh, there's real danger there in not realizing the significance of, I think, most of us in this room being uh, Gentiles, right? 
This is our story. The Canaanite woman is, in a sense, our mother, uh, the mother of the Gentile church. So this is what's real. We, we are, this is our story. We are to find ourselves in this story and as giving us our true identity. This is who we really are. We mostly are Gentiles who have been grafted into the kingdom of God, Christ himself, God's own life, by grace. And so, St. Paul in, in Romans 11 warns us as Gentiles not to become prideful and presumptuous with regard uh, to God's grace because of our, of our standing. So our thankfulness and humility then is demonstrated in our repentance, our being the church, and becoming people like the Canaanite woman who are always approaching Jesus, requesting mercy, she, in essence, prays the, the Jesus prayer, approaches him with the, with the Jesus prayer, requesting mercy and healing for ourselves, our children, our world, our spiritual children, and our natural children, and the rescue from the, the demons that would afflict, deceive, and ensnare us. Turning directly to the story, what is particularly fascinating about the story, and I, I, I revel in this, this gospel lesson, uh, I'm a tad giddy, actually, um, but uh, the dynamic of Christ's condescension to such a level as to be uh, to allow himself to be bested, as it were, in, in a battle of wits with a, a Canaanite woman of all people. So it's a very it's a fascinating story, and a bit almost scandalous if the story were not read with wisdom, it could be a scandal in a way. But Jesus seems to take up the very notion, this false notion of Jewish superiority that he has just overturned in the passage before, when he overturns the tradition of the elders, right? This sense of purity and separation. Uh, does he not take this up when he says, I was sent only to the lost sheep of the house of Israel? And she comes and kneels before, the, the Canaanite woman does, kneels before Christ, says, Lord, help me. And he answered, it is not fair to take the children's bread and throw it to dogs. Uh, that's, I think, what we would call something like a slur, right? Or a, uh, an in, certainly an insult. Uh, of course, it's not hard to detect that he does this as, uh, at least, in one, one way of reading, it would be a teaching strategy for his disciples. Uh, it has a Socratic kind of flavor to it. Let's try that idea on and see how it works, right? The Jews, particularly the religious leaders, know best the ins and outs of the kingdom. Really? Then why is it that I find greater faith, greater acceptance of me outside of Israel than I do inside of it, right? Uh, it is, not, is it not because this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me? Isaiah 29 that Jesus had just quoted in the previous episode. So what is also fascinating is the, the nature of the exchange itself in that, again, she, this Canaanite woman seems to best Christ in a battle of wits. She gets the last word. I might turn to the young people in our midst here and poll them. Yeah. I'm sure none of you ever get in trouble with your, with your parents, but if you were to, just hypothetically, how many think it would be a good strategy to talk back to them? Win points? Well, that's kind of easy. How about being cute or being smart. You know, zipping a good one-liner past your parents just to show them how clever you are, even while you're the one who's in trouble. Uh, that, how many of you think kids think that would smooth things over? 
And parents, how many of us would react with, why yes, Johnny, you make, you make a valid point. Uh, let me reconsider my position on this matter. Good boy, old sporto pal. Yeah, of course. But Christ, what the great compassion and humility and love, uh, we, we marvel at, at, his, at the depth of his, his humble um, uh, a humility that responds to the humble boldness of, of the woman who refuses to main, remain silent so that her daughter and herself might be saved. But if you'll permit me, who is this woman? Unless I'm mistaken, I consulted Father James yesterday, this Canaanite woman does not have, has not been assigned a name in the tradition of the church, unlike the Samaritan woman who is known as St. Fotini, right? So she's anonymous, and of course John's story of the Samaritan woman has a much more developed uh, character than this one, particularly in the, the, the overtones of marriage, that the conversion of the Samaritan woman is symbolic of her spiritual marriage to Christ. So, but also here, I think, that the church has seen the Canaanite woman as a symbol of the Gentile church, and thus as foreshadowing Christ's union with the Gentiles, expressed in the Eucharist as the wedding feast. One particular indication of this is the word that the disciples use when they tell Christ to send her away. It is the same word used for divorce. Send her away. Give her a certificate of divorce in a way. That, so that's the same word Christ uses in Matthew 5 and 19 when talking about this, the tra tradition of divorce uh, in the Mosaic law. But let me take you to two passages really quickly. Psalm 44. That is the psalm that's sung at Orthodox weddings. The primary focus is, of course, the Theotokos, who is contemplated both as queen mother of the king and yet as a symbol of the church itself, the bride of the king. So it says, Hear, O daughter, and see and incline thine ear. Forget also thy people and thy father's house, because the king has desired thy beauty, for he is thy lord. And the daughter, or daughters, of Tyre shall worship him with gifts. The rich of the people of the land shall supplicate thy favor. All her glory as the king's daughter is within, robed as she is in gold-fringed garments, embroidered clothing. Virgins shall be brought to the king behind her. Her neighbors shall be brought to thee. They shall be brought with gladness and exaltation. They shall be led into the king's temple. So we, we, we see the unfolding of the identity of this woman of Tyre and her daughter, the enfolding of that identity into the Theotokos, into the marriage feast via this Psalm 44 prophecy. As a side note, it was the king of Tyre, Hiram, who provided the lumber for the construction of both David's palace and the temple. That's interesting. Uh, little tidbit, a foreshadowing of the incarnation, the church, in return for which Solomon gave bread to Tyre, the people of, of Tyre. Fascinating. The bread theme connecting. Um, and the, the king of Tyre says, Hiram says that, telling Solomon, then you shall do my will by giving bread to my household, which echoes immediately with the next. I think what we see here is in the, uh, the Samaritan woman, the, you know, this theme of bread, the family sitting around the table, crumbs falling off, is, is an interpretation of the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. 
the super substantial bread, the bread of the Eucharist. Now, my clue from that comes from, she said, this is a Samaritan woman, yes, Lord, yet even the dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered her, O woman, great is your faith. May it be for you as you desire. Now listen, thy kingdom come, may your will be as in heaven, so also on earth. Almost exactly the same. So this, what the woman, the Samaritan woman, or the Canaanite woman's faith is expressing the Father's will on earth in this uh, this union, this, com- this eating of the bread, that, you know, the crumbs that fall from the table, the, the inclusion of the Gentile church into, into the life of the kingdom, into the partaking of Christ. And of course, uh, through that, the, the dogs are raised above their nature and are uh, transformed and we become partakers of the divine life. Amen.